And I love that song. I kept wanting to say at the end, you've never failed me yet. Church, let me tell you, God will never fail you. You can just drop the yet. You never will. I ask you to take your Bible, turn to Exodus chapter 25. When you get to Exodus chapter 25, you want to go to verse 1. It's on page 89 in your pew Bible. Exodus chapter 25. Picking up in verse 1, I will uh, join you. We'll read a little passage from there in just a minute. I am not the only one, but maybe some in here, but I watch a show on Food Network called Beat Bobby Flay. Some of you may have heard of that show before. (laughs) The premise of Beat Bobby Flay is that two contestants come together and they have to compete making a meal out of a secret ingredient that Bobby Flay chooses. They get 20 minutes and then they're judged by judges. And then the winner of that gets to go against Bobby Flay. But the winner gets to bring their signature dish. And so Bobby Flay, through the premise of the show, is supposed to mimic or make their signature dish better than they do. And they go to judging and see how that works out. It's an interesting thing. They keep stats on things like this. Bobby Flay wins 70% of the time. But it's an interesting thing that when the person that he has to compete against chooses to bake, not cook, chooses to bake, Bobby Flay loses over 70% of the time. So it's an interesting thing. I searched this week, what's the difference between cooking and baking? You see, at first glance, cooking and baking could be seen as different sides of the same coin because they both require various edible ingredients, they both require skill and knowledge, they both call for cutting, chopping, mixing, and stirring, and they both can create good things to eat. But the actual processes of cooking and baking are often very different, a point that you'll see if you read various recipes. Cooking tends to be more freeform and open to interpretation and improvisation. If you've got some cooking recipes at home, It'll ask for such things as a handful of almonds or a pinch of this or a season to taste or a stir as you want to. Baking, on the other hand, is rigidly precise, demanding not just a cup of flour, but a cup of flour with a tablespoon of flour and has to be a particular kind of flour. While cooking allows for substitution, baking typically does not. If you're cooking and it calls for so much onion and you have shallot, it's okay. But if you're baking and you run out of baking soda and you want to put in baking powder in its place, it will totally wreck the recipe. A good cook may not be a good baker and vice versa. Sometimes exact details, church, matter in the final outcome. So I ask you to stand with me. We're going to read from Exodus chapter 25. I'm going to read verses 1 through 9 of Exodus chapter 25. Exodus chapter 25, picking up in verse 1, says, Then the Lord spoke to Moses, saying, Speak to the children of Israel that they bring me an offering. From everyone who gives it willingly with his heart, you shall take my offering. And this is the offering which you shall take from them, gold, silver, and bronze, 
blue, purple, and scarlet thread, fine linen, and goat's hair, rams, skins, dyed red, badger skins, and acacia wood, oil for the light and spices for the anointing oil and for the sweet incense, onyx stones and stones to be set in the ephod and in the breastplate, and let them make me a sanctuary that I may dwell among them according to all that I show you, that is the pattern of the tabernacle and the pattern of all its furnishings, just so you shall make it. Thank you. You may be seated. Keep your scripture open. We are going to spend quite a bit of time in Exodus this morning on these scriptures. But I want to start, I want to take a step backwards for just a second to start where we left off last week. So if your scripture is still open, let me read for us Exodus chapter 24, the last verse, verse 18. It said, So Moses went into the midst of the cloud and went up into the mountain, and Moses was on the mountain 40 days and 40 nights. Now, you know, last week we talked about how God desires to speak to us, and he called Moses up to be with him, and Moses went up into the clouds, and God speaks to him. So we move right into verse 1 of chapter 25, and it says, And then the Lord spoke to Moses. And he said this in verse 2, Speak to the children of Israel. God is speaking to Moses and expecting Moses, telling Moses, commanding Moses to share everything that God says to him to the people. Note, church, that when God speaks to us, he expects us to do what he says. You guys agree with that? God expects us to do exactly what he says. The word exactly is going to be a key phrase today. God expects us to do exactly what he tells us to do. Have you ever been guilty of adjusting what God says? interpreting what God says, doing partially what God says, or knowing exactly what God is telling you to do, but refusing, absolutely refusing to be obedient. Now, I'm sure each of us have felt that before, or at least know somebody who has been challenged in that way to not obey God fully and exactly. Can I tell you that when we do not do exactly what God says, that's not what God desires. You see, I believe that in Scripture, every detail is important to Him. Amen. And because every detail is important to God, it should therefore be important to His children. And so in this room this morning, there are people that claim to be a child of God, and I want to encourage you to understand that every detail that God speaks about, He expects you to know and treat as important in your life. And if you're in this room today, or if you're online today with us, or you're on the phone with us today, and you don't know Jesus, for starters, I am thrilled that you are here and pray that you will see this message through to the end. But I want you to know that God's attention to detail can change your life. And church, that's the premise of which we fall under here just a little bit. So look in verse 2. 
it says that they bring me an offering. But look at what it says. But only receive their offering if they give it willingly from the heart. You know, God desires us to be cheerful givers, to give out of love, out of gratitude, out of obedience. And then it goes on in verse 3 and says, and this, that's a particular word, and this is the offering which you shall take from him. And God is calling for a willing offering of very specific things. Those things, as you see in verses 2 through 7, are gold, silver, bronze, blue, purple, and scarlet thread, fine linen, and goat's hair, which is a kind of material, ram's skin dyed red, which means that God does not want any ram's skins dyed anything other than red. It's God who said it needed to be red. Badger skins, acacia wood, oil, spices, and precious stones. Now, church, those are very specific items requested from a people who have been slaves for over 400 years. Requested from a people who have within the last year been delivered from Egypt. Requested from a people who have been living a nomadic lifestyle in the wilderness ever since that delivery from Egypt. Now, we're going to talk more on this in just a moment because as I've been reading God's Word this week, a lot of God's Word this week, it is really awesome what God teaches and shares with us. But we'll come back to those specific things here in just a second. Look at verse 8. It says, let them make me a sanctuary. Let them make me a sanctuary so that I may dwell with them. And you go, wait, 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 wait. I stopped. Wait. God wants to dwell with them. He doesn't just want to know them. He wants to dwell with them. Think of the progression that we have studied since January when we started the book of Exodus. First, God says, I hear your cries. I see the plight that you are under. And then God, through Moses and a number of different things that we have talked about, delivers them from Egypt. He leads them and he guides them through the wilderness with fire and a cloud. They never have to wonder where God is and what he's doing. Then he provides for them. Everything they have drank or eaten, he has provided for them. And then he speaks to them, as we've talked about here in the last few weeks with the Ten Commandments and the rest of the law that Moses has shared with them, that Moses has written down, and that Moses has read to them. As you know, God has really layered this learning onto them. And now, he says, I want to dwell with you. I want to come be with That is simply incredible. God has been building for this moment since he called Abraham many, many years ago. Actually, God has been planning for this moment since before time as we know it began. Maybe 
makes me think when I was reading this about Romans 5, 8. Romans 5, 8 says, but God demonstrates his own love toward us in that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. You see, we have read about these wilderness people and their stiff-necked attitude and their disobedient attitude and their willingness to walk away from God. And unfortunately, we're not done learning about how they are. And God says, but I want to come dwell with you. And he desires to dwell with you. This is not just a story that happened. This is a revelation of God's plan that the details mean everything to us. God knows me. He knows my weakness, my failures, my pride, my ingratitude, my past, my sin, and he still wants to be with me. It is crazy. You should be thrilled that the God of all universe knows you and still wants to dwell with you. It's exactly how he feels about you. He wants to be with you. Now, we read in our Sunday school class that in 1 John chapter 4, it talks about that when we came to know Christ, God was made complete in us. Do you know that if you are not complete in God, it's not because God's withholding himself from you, it's because you are withholding yourself from God. Because God desires to dwell with you. And he says, make me a sanctuary so I can dwell with them. In verse 9, look at this, it says, make it according to all that I show you. That is so cool. God called Moses up. And he said, I'll show you the pattern. I'm going to show you the pattern for the tabernacle. I'm going to show you the pattern for all the furnishings, all the utensils. I'm going to show you the pattern. You see, God already has in his knowledge all the blueprints, all the architectural specifications all laid out. Do you know that when God calls you to do something, you're not going to have to go, I don't know what you're saying. He said, Moses, here's what I want you to do. And here's the blueprints. And here's the step-by-step. -step. And it gets even better, church. It gets even better. Did I tell you? I didn't tell you. You know, I always start with saying, man, I'm excited about what God wants to say. And I'm not today. And you're going, Jeff, what's wrong? I'm super excited today about what God wants to say to us. God is preparing to show Moses in this visit all the plans that he has. But look at verse 9. I want to bring up, an, it's an old phrase because it's in Scripture, but it's a phrase that we know. He says, just so you shall make it. Now, we need to understand what that means. Just so. God says, I want you to do these things just so. God says, I want you to do it exactly just so. Just so. Do you know that that takes away our ability to interpret? It takes away our ability to wonder and think. God says, I want you to do it just so. He has promised in that statement to give us all that we need. 
God is saying, I want you to make it exactly like I showed you. You know, God is that detail-oriented, that thorough, that complete. He has a plan from before the foundation of the earth. God has been planning this moment, that moment that he's getting ready to reveal to Moses. But let me just fast forward a little bit. God has been preparing this moment where we are right where we are in this sanctuary on this date at this time. God has prepared this because he wants to show you something about him. And then therefore he wants to show you something about yourself and then call us to take the steps necessary to reconcile what he shows us. So you go to verse 10, and you're going, Jeff, we didn't read verse 10. I know, I'm getting ready to launch off here, okay? Verse 10, it says, and they shall make. Now, church, let me tell you, I sat here on Wednesday night, and church, just to let you know, we meet every Wednesday night at 6 p.m. We spend a lot of time on prayer, and then we have a small Bible study, and we rejoice. But one of the things that I told them on Wednesday night, if you heard it online too, is that if you really want to be where God wants you to be for Sunday morning, I need you to study ahead. Usually I go, it's on the prayer list, Exodus chapter 25, verses 1 through 9. But then I told them on Wednesday night, I said, but here's what you want. If you really want to be caught up, some of you said, I'm in for the challenge because I said, here's what you need to do. You need to read and study Exodus 25, 26, 27, 28, 29, 30, 31, 35, 36, 37, 38, 39, and 40. 13 chapters. And you're going, Jeff, please tell me that you're not getting ready to preach through 13 chapters. <laughs> yep. <laughs> but here's what I hope. I hope that there are some in here that have already read this at my encouragement. But what I pray even more than that, is that you will not be able to wait either today or sometime this week. You will spend time reading those 13 chapters that God revealed to Moses about the tabernacle and all of its activity. God details in these chapters exactly what he's going to have come to pass. In uh, chapters 25 through 31, God details exactly what is to come to pass to Moses. And in chapters 35, verse 1, Moses says, then Moses gathered all the congregation, and then Moses details out everything God said to the people and calls them to give and to work and to bring about his purpose. And this continues through Exodus chapter 40, verse 33, where the work is finished. Church, I'm, I'm encouraging you, read these chapters. They're remarkable. They're remarkable in their detail, in their purpose, in their order, and in their preparation. And you will come to know many things about God as you study this. I will not have the ability in the next very few minutes that we're going to be together to show you all of the things that God has for you in this passage. But what I hope to do is light a fuse of passion inside of you that you will want to know the details that God has for you as you study his word. You see, God also knows the exact purpose that this word is to have 
in your life right now. So I want to call out a few things that I read. I want to show you. I sat down in my office. I had a great time this week. I've got these legal yellow pads, and, and I started at 6 a.m. one morning, and for four hours, I sat at my desk, and I wrote, and I wrote, and I wrote, verse by verse, everything I've asked you to do. Church, I would never ask you to do something that I'm not willing to do and perhaps haven't already done. But when you take time to detail out what God says and make these notes about it, it's incredible what God begins to tie together and begins to show us. So whether you want to make notes while you do it, I would encourage that. But whether you want to make notes while you do it or not, God has a lot for us there. But I want to show you just a few things that God pointed out to me as I studied these chapters. I know they'll hopefully they'll be encouraging to you and God will use them. I've already started with God's desire for it to be just so. That's in verse 9. Many times in these 13 chapters, God reminds Moses, quote, do it like I showed you on the mountain. 25, verse 40, 26, verse 30, 27, verse 8. Do it like I showed you on the mountain. Church, God does not want us to freelance. God wants us to seek him, to hear him and to obey him exactly as he calls us. Amen? The second thing I saw says God calls for the people to bring a willing offering of very specific things. Do you know that God calls you to give willingly? A cheerful heart. That's your tithe. That's your time. That's your talents. And I pray that as you study these chapters, you will be driven to desire to willingly yield yourself to God as he shows you his provision in your resources and in your time and in your talents. God expects us to give willingly. Number three, God provides everything to us that he requests from us. Remember, God is speaking to a people who have been enslaved for over 400 years, people who have been in the wilderness for months to this point, people who could think that they have nothing to give, but they do. Recall that as Israel, we studied many months ago now, was leaving Egypt that God told them to ask from the Egyptians for things. You remember that? Go back and read it. He asked them for things. And that Egypt would, God said, gladly give it to you. Church, God never, that's a strong word, never. I'm going to make it again. God never will call you to give something that he has not already given to you. Sometimes it's good to detail, God, what have you given me? Because I believe that God will call you to give to him everything that he has given to you. And so it's important to know what God has given to you. But think about this. God never asked for things he has not already provided for us. These wilderness people, they had this stuff. 
God says, bring gold, silver, bronze, gems, you name it, and God had given it to them. I want to show you about this gold. If you were to look, I can flip real quick, but if you've got it open, you flip over to chapter 38. You go to chapter 38 of Exodus, and you read verse 24. I just want to stop. I stopped right here, and I sat here for hour and a half, and then I left it and came back and soaked on it a little bit more. Exodus 38, verse 24 says this, All the gold that was used in all the work of the holy place, that is, the gold of the offering, was 29 talents and 730 shekels, according to the shekel of the sanctuary. And you're going, Jeff, I don't understand anything you said. Well, let me break it down for you. What they gave as it related to gold was 29 talents, 730 shekels. Well, it takes 3,000 shekels to make a talent. And a talent is somewhere between 75 pounds and 100 pounds. So 29 talents, if you set aside the shekels and change, 29 talents equals 2,175 pounds of gold using the low number of 75. Church, that is then 34,800 ounces of gold because, see, we know gold is so precious that it is a commodity that moves in ounces. 34,800 ounces. I went online just for fun, and I said, what is the cost of an ounce of gold right now? Do you know gold is really expensive? On Thursday morning, the price of ounce was $1,735 per ounce. It gets even better. The gold they gave, which was just part of the gold that they had been given, if you do the math, in today's dollars, was worth over $60 million. It's actually $60,378,000. The gold that they were walking around in the wilderness, in their pockets, provided to them by God, in today's world, is over $60 million. And you're going, Jeff, what's that have to do with anything? This tabernacle that God wanted them to make, it was a precious thing. And God called them to give it. God always has a reason. But he provided them over a ton, no exaggeration, over a ton of gold in the wilderness. Do you know sometimes, if we're not careful, we'll think we have nothing to give? So if you wanted to play the game even more, and I did, Scripture talks about how they counted the men 20 or older, and it's like 603,550 men who had to give a shekel or had to give an offering. Everybody just gave pennies. But all those pennies given faithfully, willingly, from resources God had provided came together and created this awesome offering. 
Number four, God desires to make us generous in yielding our lives to him. So if you've got your scripture open and you're on chapter 38 right now, just go back to verse 30, chapter 36. You should just probably have to go turn backwards one page. In Exodus chapter 36, don't keep your Bibles closed. Don't close them until the end because we're going to stay here a couple moments, okay? Exodus chapter 36, let me read verses 4 through 6. Exodus 36, 4 through 6, it says, Then all the craftsmen who were doing all the work of the sanctuary came, each from the work that he was doing, and they spoke to Moses, saying, The people bring much more than enough for the service of the work which the Lord commanded us to do. So Moses gave a commandment, and they caused it to be proclaimed throughout the camp, saying, Let neither man nor woman do any more work for the offering of the sanctuary. And the people were restrained from bringing. Wow. You know what they're saying? You're giving too much. Take it easy. God wants to develop in us a generous, willing heart given from him. You know, it's a noble goal for us to be too generous with our resources, with our time, our talents, that God looks at us and says, woe for now. Church, is God telling you, whoa, 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 you're giving too much to me? Or is God saying to you, I've called you to be willing. Now give of your resources, of your time, of your talents to me. You see, sometimes today, we seek to see how little we can get by with. And one of the things that God reminded me of is, Jeff, I have blessed you richly, and I'm only calling for a small part for you to be willing to give to me. We should be seeking to give exactly the opposite. You know, Scripture teaches, we talked about it a few weeks ago in Malachi chapter 3. God says, listen, you give to me. Don't rob me. You give to me. And see if I don't open up the windows, plural, of heaven and bless you beyond measure. Number five, God will call you to do what he has gifted you to be able to do and what he has placed on your heart to do. So go back, Exodus chapter 31. And when you get to Exodus chapter 31, I want to read the first six verses. Exodus chapter 31. Exodus chapter 31, picking up at verse 1, says, Then the Lord spoke to Moses, saying, See, I have called by name Bezalel, the son of Uri, the son of Hur, of the tribe of Judah. And I have filled him with the Spirit of God in wisdom, in understanding, in knowledge, and in all manner of workmanship, to design artistic works, to work in gold, in silver, in bronze, in cutting jewels for setting, in carving wood, and to work in all manner of workmanship. And I, indeed I, have appointed with him Alohab, the son of Ahissimach, of the tribe of Dan, and I have put wisdom in the hearts of all the gifted artisans that they may make all that I have commanded you. Church, did you see? God said, Moses, I'm giving you a very detailed plan. 
But I've already given you all the resources you need to be able to do this. And Moses, not only then, you don't even have to go find the workers. I've already placed it on their hearts. They have the ability, the knowledge, the wisdom, the understanding, the skill to be able to come together. And as you read these chapters, you will find that people came from every direction to do the things that God laid upon their hearts. God will lay upon your heart what he has already gifted you to be able to do. And he will call you to do it. Number six, when we seek to do exactly all the Lord says, we know when we are done. Look at verse, go to chapter 39. When you get to chapter 39, go to verse 42. Chapter 39, and we'll read 42 and 43, says this. According to all that the Lord had commanded Moses, so the children of Israel did all the work. Then Moses looked over all the work, and indeed they had done it as the Lord had commanded, just so they had done it, and Moses blessed them. Church, the Lord who has blessed you with all, the Lord that wants to dwell with you, the Lord that is placed on your heart, how you are to live for him. If he came and did a review of your life in process right now, would you be found guilty of doing exactly that he has called for you to do? Or would you have somehow along the way stopped? Now, you could say that Israel was successful in their efforts. I'll give you a definition of success. Success should be defined as fulfilling God's purpose for your life. Now, we know that this world will define success many different ways, but today I want us to define it as fulfilling God's purpose for your life. And I don't want you to change that definition tomorrow. I want that to be your new definition for success, living out your God-given purpose. Jesus was a success. I should have elicited at least one amen, right? But in John chapter 17, verse 4, we know why. It says, I have glorified you on the earth. I have finished the work which you gave me to do. Jesus was a success because he did everything his father called him to do. Paul was a success. In 2 Timothy chapter 4, verse 7, Paul says, I have fought the good fight. I have finished the race. I have kept the faith. In some translations, it says, I have finished the course. God had laid out for Paul a path that he was to follow. And Paul, at the end of his life, could say, I have, Father, followed the course that you laid out for me. Success, fulfilling God's purpose for your life. Can I remind you that God has a purpose for you as well? This is not some story from a few thousand years ago. This is a reminder. Just a few scriptures. Jeremiah 29, 11, I know the plans I have for you. They are for your good. Proverbs 19, 21. 
Many are the plans in the mind of a man, but it is the purpose of the Lord that will stand. You want your life to be a success? Do what God purposes in your life, not what you desire. Isaiah chapter 14, verse 24 says, The Lord of hosts has sworn, As I have planned, so shall it be, and as I have purposed, so shall it stand. God will bring about his purpose, amen? He just wants you to be willing to go along with him. Ephesians 2.10, for we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. Philippians 1.6, I am sure of this, that he who began a good work in you will bring it to completion at the day of Jesus Christ. I had someone recently ask me, I'm of a certain age. Do you think that God still has things for me to do? My simple response back was, God has given you life. And every day that God gives you life, you are to give that life to him. When God is done with you, he will take you Church, you're not home. Which means God has work for you to do. Let me share with you one more verse. Psalm 25, verse 14 says this, The secret of the Lord is with those who fear him, and he will show them his covenant. Fearing God. Church, fearing God means in its simplest form, in the mind of Jeff, and I hope it makes sense to you, Fearing God is taking God seriously. If you do not fear God, if you do not take him seriously, this scripture says that you will not get the secret of the covenant. That your relationship with the covenant, and we know the scripture teaches that Jesus is the new covenant, that your relationship to the covenant determines how much of God you truly experience. And then if you take my definition of fearing God is taking God seriously, the opposite of taking God seriously would be to take God casually, without purpose, give or take, partial commitment. As I close, I met with a pastor friend this week. We went and sat down for about an hour or so, and we were talking about this, that, or the other. And I have the gray hair, so I took the role of Paul, and he had no gray hair, so he took the role of Timothy in this relationship that we're building. And we talked and we talked, and then at the end of our conversation, we asked each other, how can I pray for you? And he asked me, Jeff, how can I pray for you and First Baptist. I told him what was on my heart. And here's what I told him, best I could recollect when I was writing this. I believe that God desires to do so many incredible things in the life of First Baptist Church. I believe that God desires for us to commit to him more fully in every way. I believe that God is calling to each of us to do exactly what he has purposed for us. 
I am praying that God's people who call First Baptist Church home will choose to surrender to God's exact plans. Church, I love my church family. I am blessed beyond measure to be a part of our church. But I do not believe that we are where God wants us to be. And church, that doesn't mean that we are in a bad place. Actually, we are in a more dangerous place than bad. We're in a good place. And good is the enemy of best every single time. And as I read this scripture, God said, Jeff, things are good. But I don't deal in good. I deal in best. And church, I don't care how long you've been a part of this church. I don't care how long you have been a child of God. God is calling each one of us to take that step of absolute, complete sacrifice. And we're not there. And again, that's not a condemnation of where we are as much as it's a challenge to where we are supposed to be. And my encouragement to you today, can today be the day that you say, God, I don't want good anymore. I want what you want. I want exactly what you want. I want it when you want it. I want it how you want it. I thank you for what you've given me, what you've called me to do, what you have in store for me. I thank you for the power that you'll give me. I thank you for the opportunity that you give me, Lord. I will do anything in my life, Lord. Just give me all of you. Church, when we want that, and we begin to do that, seats will fill up, altars will fill up, everything will change. Church, let's not settle for taking God casually. Let's take him seriously. Amen? I met with the, uh, I'll just give you a little inside information. I met with the guys I pray with this morning. And I told him I need this prayer, unlike most weeks. Because right before you deliver what I believe is God's truth, Satan says, oh, no, you don't. And there's about four or five things I could detail in my life that Satan's trying to derail me from telling the truth. Church, let me tell you, God is faithful. That relief... was God saying, 
That's what I wanted them to hear. Church, I've said nothing today. Everything that has been said, I trust it has been directly from the mouth of God to your heart. Because God has broken me this week as I have studied what a loving, exacting God 